School violence and bullying, including cyberbullying, is widespread and affects a significant number of children and adolescents. The first Thursday of November is the International Day Against Violence and Bullying at School, including cyberbullying. Today, we recognize that school-related violence in all forms is an infringement of children and adolescents' rights to education and to health and well-being. There is no better superhero to chat to about cyberbullying, school violence and bullying than our very own Luke Lamprecht. Luke is a child rights activist and child protection specialist. He has dedicated his life to the protection, upliftment and care of children and the youth. Luke is in great demand by schools and community groups to talk to both parents and children on many different topics, one of which is cyberbullying. Almost one in three students has been bullied by their peers at school at least once in the last month, and a similar proportion were affected by physical violence. School violence and bullying is mostly perpetrated by peers, but in some cases by teachers and other school staff. Corporal punishment is still allowed in schools in 67 countries. Luke, big topic, a lot to cover in 20 minutes. Huge topic. And I think that what I would like to do is sort of break it down into two sort of primary issues. And the first is bullying. Mm. And the second level is the cyber world and what cyber is meaning to young people. So the, the first thing that's interesting in the introduction that we get from sort of the UN, they talk about, for example, corporal punishment still being allowed in 67 schools. And they subsume that under bullying. Mm. So what I would like to be clear about up front is the fact that the word bullying has been used almost too colloquially mm. to encompass too many things. And ironically, you know, we jump up and down about bullying, but it actually softens what children are actually experiencing. Yeah. So we got on. So what I get referred to me, so I get quite a lot of this referred to me because bullying is seen as the first level at which children are not learning empathy and are behaving unkindly to others, which then leads to things like beating other people, abusing other people, etc. Because it's the inability to recognize, first of all, the fact that my behavior has a negative impact on you. And worse, if I recognize that, I don't change my behavior. Mm. And I continue to behave like that because bullying by definition is continuous. So on the one hand, I've got people phoning me about young people who are experiencing online bullying. And they'll bring me the phone and I'll look at the I'll look at the, the conversation. And the first thing that strikes me is it starts as relatively innocuous. Mm. And I say, but you know, at this point, you know, you could have stepped out of this. What what becomes more disturbing is that it then goes on till two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning, you know. And I'm saying you ten, why is your phone not off? You know, and saying to the parents, Why is the phone not in the you know in the in, passage? In, in, the, mm. in the passage. And then on the other side, I'm getting people send me things that have been recorded by young people at schools where what is clear is that it's assault GBH where they're mm. beating these And children. we've seen so many of those so, videos. Yeah. And the scary thing is, the, the, or the, yeah, it's really frightening, is that people almost love to watch those videos. Yeah. So the, 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 the morbid voyeurism is a real mm. problem. The bystander issue is a real problem. And the, the other problem, even the people referring it to me, they're saying, oh, look at this bullying online. I'm saying, that's not bullying, that's assault. Mm. And the way we deal with how we name things is very different. So there are, there's a level at which children need to learn resistance to other young people and to say, you know what, 
don't talk to me like that. Mm. I will not accept that behavior and you're not allowed to talk to me. So like setting that. very clear boundaries. Very clear boundaries. Mm. And we can't as adults always protect children from that because they're going to have a boss one day that talks to them badly. Mm. They're going to have a boyfriend or girlfriend that talks to them badly. They're going to have someone in a public context that talks to them badly. They have to be able to have the skills to say, number one, you will not talk to me like that. Number two, if you choose, I'm not accepting that. Mm. Okay. And that's very important. Very often we've, we've spoken extensively in these podcasts about learning behavior where do children learn this behavior and if parents speak badly to the children or badly to one another or badly to other people they can't really be surprised that then their children speak badly to to other children or teachers or or caregivers or whoever it might be so i think if anything we can teach our children is that we can say no we can say no i will not accept the way you are speaking to me i will not accept that so often from when kids are little we say stand up to the bullies and isn't maybe that the first thing is to to put a boundary in place definitely and i think on your first point of where they learn it from i mean it's it's quite a hardcore example to use but Charles Manson, when asked what he wants to say to his trial, said, you call me a monster. These children come at you with guns and knives. I raised them, not you. Mm. And the second level is which, in which I see cyberbullying in particular being a problem is that the parents don't assist with boundaries online. We teach children to cross the road. We don't mm. teach them how to cross across different social platforms and to be safe across the different mm. social platforms. And it's almost like adults, because we are born before technology, or parents born before technology, have almost relinquished social media to young people. And in fact, there's a very good online series, well, it's an online um, broadcast to watch, which is called Childhood 2.0, mm. where we almost have like, said okay well the children are online we don't know what to do with it we've lost control of it and therefore they can do what they like and we have no idea what the long-term impact of of this is going to be so we need to be engaged in that world and assist them with setting those boundaries both online and offline because the the big thing about the online environment is there's no natural boundary so previously like when we grew up the natural boundary would be you left school you went home Mm. you're with your parents they couldn't access you. If people phoned you at home on your landline with a long wire, beep, your parents say, who's speaking? Why do you want to? And if you don't want to speak to them, you just said, no, I don't want to talk to them. And you never, ever phoned after eight. So there were all eight. of those very um, strict boundaries. And we seem to have lost that. Totally. Where cell phones give us access to anyone at any time. And the problem is, is that that also then gives children no respite. Mm. So the difficulty with, with being bullied online is the fact that you you cannot get away from the bully because if you block them you don't know what they're saying outside of the fact that you're now not party to it so you're worried that they're talking about you online anyway it's just that you now because you blocked them you're not aware of it or they set up groups that you're excluded from or they they i mean you saw a little while ago that there was this big outing of everybody who ever said something racist sexist children drinking and they collected this set of things and they put them out there and the problem is is once it's out there and it gains momentum to get it back is almost impossible so you lose control of your own kind of agency in the world about what people are saying about you and there's no respite from it 24 hours a day seven days a week in your home out your home in your car wherever you are that is following you around and the big thing is the notifications then are increasing the levels of anxiety because you're constantly watching to see who's defending me, who's who's uh, just watching, uh, who's attacking me, and how do I respond to this? And the big, big, big thing with online is that we lack two basic human things when we're online, and the one is what we call prosody. 
So it's the ability to, if I'm in front of you and I'm saying something to you and I'm in the same room as you and I'm looking in your eyes, and I'm so much less likely to say that thing. So less if likely. If I can just text something and send it out into mm. the ether. People are also less likely to contribute to it if they're in the group because there's a level of socialization that we need to behave in certain ways and they're less. But online, there's none of that. It can be anonymous. People can make up profiles. They can. In fact, there was there was a time where you could turn your WhatsApp um, identity Off. to mm. yeah, to it's not anonymous. identify you, so that you could say what you really feel. You know, there is a level at which people should not really be allowed mm. to say what they really feel a lot of the time because a lot of it is unkind, unwarranted, and it's your opinion. So it's teaching children the skills to communicate, and then what parents must understand is that children's ability to self-regulate is decreased by being online and young people come to me and they'll say in the gym I work in I'm bored and I'm saying I'm extremely pleased that you're bored okay why well number one it teaches you to be creative like oh, I don't want to be creative but the other thing that is more important the creativity is important but what is more important is that all of us as human beings our mind is not always in fact it's not mostly a pleasant place to live it's a chattery thing and it's chattery mostly about the things we're trying to process which is unpleasant thoughts so instead of leaving children to be alone with the attempt to regulate their mind we distract them with a screen mm. and the problem with that is that distraction doesn't allow them to regulate because they can't regulate they will say things online that may well be misinterpreted and we also need to be clear that sometimes things that are said online were not meant no. badly because there's no tone in a whatsapp and there's no filter on the other side mm. you know so what what you intended and what is coming out on this side it's unfiltered and generally, filters are what you're talking about, tone, eye contact, body language, facial expression. Those are all the filters we use, which is why we've entered emojis. So, number one, we have the inability of children to regulate on a platform that is, that, that is lacking in human feedback. When I talk about human, I'm talking about impersonal human feedback. So, the likelihood of people be, well, being misinterpreted is high, and then the likelihood of people reacting in ways they would not ordinarily react is very high. It then tends to escalate because there's no impulse control because you can say anything, you can say it now and it's totally unfiltered and you get triggered so you say something back and then there's no kind of, there's no ability to see the nuance in things because children write in short sentences, abbreviating words, mm. not, not, not writing in coherent ways that are expressive. It's about, I need to say this and I need to land it. So what we, we seem to be doing is we seem to be creating almost this, this screen that they call the black mirror, the screen of the, the smartphone that is reflecting you back to yourself, but only in your own mind. You can't see the mind of the person on the other side. It distracts you from being present, so you can't think. It distracts you from thinking about the other person's mind because there's a screen and you can't read facial expressions. And as a result, your chance of being unempathic are extremely high. Mm -hmm. So very often we go out to restaurants and what have you, and um, there'll be a family eating dinner and all of the family will be involved in their screens and not their family. So much younger children will be given a screen to keep them occupied and to, to play on. Parents are on their cell phones. Where has the art of conversation gone? 
So I think there's three levels. I mean, the one the one thing I found very interesting is that there's these, well, I don't know how new it is anymore, but there's a pram that instead of a mobile, it's got a iPad docking station. So okay, that's frightening. <laughs> so instead of you having the mobile, there's a docking station. I'll say to parents, you know, what, what you have to understand is that, you know, we, we, we don't want to be sort of like these totally militaristic people about, you know, like screens are terrible and, you know, you can't ever use them or whatever. But they have to be intentional. Mm. And I think what we've lost is the intentionality of being online. Because, as you say, I mean, with, there's, a, there's an app that you can download called Dinner Time and you all load it in your family and what happens at dinner time is it switches all your phones off hmm. so that you can't use them. The fact that we need an app. Yeah, why do we need an app? Correct. Why don't to, we just say no? Correct. To tell you to switch off so that you can talk to your family is just, I mean, it's tragic. I mean, I mean it's actually mm-hmm. sad that's, that that's what we've come to, that the, the I mean, there's, there are cell phone safes that people have now developed that you put it in safe and you set a timer so that you can't touch it, you know. And what that's telling you is we need to be kept safe from the influence of the attention grabbing of the machine. So in answer to your question about the art of conversation is that we have to understand, and there's a brilliant online um, thing that Childhood 2.0 that explains to that explains to parents and adults um, very, very nicely what is happening in terms of the motive of the machine. And the motive of the machine is to get you into it, to echo you back to yourself and to keep you in it so they can sell you stuff. Hmm. Well, they're selling advertising to sure. sell you stuff. So they're really there to make money. So they're not, it's not a machine that is there to inform you and to keep you worldly wise and to keep you kind of up to date and woke with all the latest trends. In fact, it does the opposite. Hmm. In fact, what it does is it ghettos your mind because it will reflect you back to you because it wants to keep you in there so that you will look at the things you like so that you'll buy stuff that they sell that you like. I mean, that's the... Mm. The, the short end of the business model. And those kinds of developers, they're the same people who develop casinos, who mm. develop gambling apps, etc. So you are competing in conversation with attention grabbers. Mm. And I find when I go out and do talks at school, like I recently did a whole morning with young people, and people are like, how do you do that? These children are so distracted because, you know, they like to compete in with a TED talk and whatever. Well, that makes me up my game. Mm. So well done to young people that if I'm not saying something that actually is engaging, well, then I shouldn't be up there talking. So what it has done is it's called us as adults out to be more courageous, to think more, to be more engaged. And we're not used to that. And to talk to our children rather than at them. Absolutely. Because we were happy with times, well, not happy. We were blissfully unaware in previous years that children should be seen and not heard. Now children are not seen and not heard. And now we are... Damn, where the know, children? Like, where the children? You know, they're always <laughs> in their phones. But that's where you wanted them, mm, you know, decades mm. ago when there wasn't a screen. Mm. So I think that the, the, the requirement is for thought and intentionality mm. around online life. And for example, the one thing would be an online budget. So when you're online, like you have money to budget, you have time to budget, and the amount of time you budget towards being online is an actual thing. Yeah. Because you have other things to do. Mm. And the problem with it is they grab attention and the other problem is the default to distraction because your mind is chattery. We need to help children process the chattery brain and not rely on the machine to distract them from it because that long term 
is all the things you're talking about around bullying and, and unkindness, mm-hmm. etc. They can't see another person relationally. So we're going to talk about the bully mm-hmm. and we're going to talk about the child being bullied. Mm-hmm. And there's been a lot of chatter around the parents of the bully mm-hmm. being prosecuted for their child's behavior. You always tell us that what is the child's behavior telling us? So why do children, and it's not only children, bullying in the workplace is so common. Bullying in relationships. Bullying is not something that is, is only limited to children. It is a, life, a lifetime Absolutely. of bullying. What, what can be done for the bully rather than um, punitive, rather restorative um, to, 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 ta- to change that behavior so that they're not a bully their entire lives? So I mean, it's, it's quite an interesting, it's quite an interesting topic because a lot, a lot of um, sort of the banter is around that bullies lack self-esteem and bullies are, you know, they feel bad about themselves. Therefore, they have to make people, other people, feel worse. That's actually not true. Hmm. In fact, bullies are full of self-confidence. They, in fact, have an overinflated sense of their own self-importance. They are extremely confident and they're actually quite insightful because they need to know what to say to you to hurt you. Mm. And they go and they and do to push that your buttons. Correct. And mm. they go and do that intentionally. Now, what what I think has happened is that as we have entered an individualized culture, so I'm talking about a very sort of Western-centric kind of European model where you've got individual therapy, you've got sort of individual everything, individual single servings of everything. It's a very individualistic culture. You know, it's where, where I live. It's my house, my car. You know, it's, it's what I I wear it's there's there's not a culture of community and within that culture that sort of eye focused culture the idea of the kind of survival of the fittest has not been one around cooperation it has been one around I need to almost have the wisdom of the psychopath so that I can get ahead so what what then happens is everybody then just either becomes an obstacle or a stepping stone to your own individualized success rather than seeing cooperation as the way to be. So there is a level at which cruel people are venerated. Mm. If you look at um, world leaders, and I mean we can name a number at the moment, you know, in, in our world, they are bullies. Mm. They are unkind. I mean a whole lot come to mind almost immediately. Exactly. Um, they are unkind. They other other people. If you're not the right race, if you're not the right class, if you're not the right gender, you will get attacked. Mm. And because there are these supremely powerful people who people think in that sort of what I call the caterpillar pillar from a, one of my favorite books called There's Hope for the Flowers, is all the caterpillars want to climb to the top so that they get to the top of that, you know, that proverbial, they get through the glass ceiling and they get right to the top and they have the corner office or, you know. And the problem is at the top, the people at the top are desperately unhappy people who, you know, don't really know what it means to be at the top except they need to stay at the top. Rather than being that um, that introspecting and engaging kind of worm that becomes a bit of a chrysalis and becomes a butterfly and can fly to the top, it can mm. fly elsewhere, etc. So I think our very materialistic driven, very kind of externally focused world that we have created is saying I need to be seen in a certain way and to be cruel is to be powerful and people mistake kindness for weakness and that is going to be a real challenge because what the machine does is it makes you individually focused and it feeds you back to you so you're not getting challenged on your perceptions of the world Mm. so so often um before cyberbullying, when when there weren't devices and it was um, in the schoolyard, 
the, the, the advice was always you stand up to the bully. And if you stand up to the bully, the bully will step down. Is that always true? Absolutely not. So at times it ramps it up. Mm. So the, the, we, we have pattern duration severity. So you want to look in terms of an extension on your question around what we do to help. Is this a pattern of behavior? Does it, um, does it last over a period of time and does it increase in severity? And what that means is there's something desperately wrong going on and we link it to um, this is normal. Because some banter between children sure. is, is, is normal. It's healthy. Uh, correct. And it's normal and you need to learn those skills and so on. Then we have worrying. That's when you get the gut feeling something's wrong. And then you, you get the level where you need professional help. Mm. And there's a level at which certain, and they get referred to me often, there's a, there's a level at which children at some point need somebody to step in and say mm. to them, we need to really help you think about what you are doing in this world and mm. how you are behaving. Because this is simply not okay. Mm. Um, so the, the balance there is between saying, okay, we have to recognize that you come from somewhere, but also saying, well, even though you come from somewhere, you do actually need at some level to be able to integrate yourself in the world in a way that doesn't impose yourself, particularly in a harmful way on others, without any regard for the ability to see them. And that's about being able to mentalize, and you have to be present to mentalize. In other words, you have to be able to stop to think about another person's mind, you have to then be empathic to say, listen, I need to not be unkind to you. But then compassion is being able to behave mm. in line with that. And that, that is a big moral development task for young people. And it has to be digested and mediated by adults. Mm -hmm. This is really a conversation that we could, we could sit and chat about all day. Absolutely. Um, just in terms of help, so, you know, in extreme cases of bullying, we see, we see children develop mental health issues, we see suicides, you know, bullying can have disastrous results, can ruin lives. If your child is being bullied, so often, um, well, firstly, there's a code of silence, so a child won't step up and say, I'm being bullied, I'm feeling unsafe, I'm feeling hurt, or, or whatever the emotions may be. At what point does a parent step in and apart from going and beating the child on the playground, which I think would be a lot of natural um, natural thing that you want to go and do to protect your child, what is the best way to deal with it without, you know, your child, oh, they're a snitch and they're a baby and they're this and that? Well, I think the, the idea that you can simply tell children to go back to school and stand up to mm. the bully is the first part of the problem. Another part of the problem... So that is a no-go zone. You don't uh, tell the child, well, go depends. and stand up against... It's a continuum. It depends on the nature of the bullying. Because we, we want to give children a level at which, you know, with kind of early, early days, mild forms of bullying, they need to set the line. Now, you will not talk to me like that. This is not acceptable. This is not... A, rather than needing an adult to intervene all the time. Mm. However... We also need to recognize that certain levels of bullying are actually assault yeah. and they, they're harassment and they are verbal abuse. They are not bullying. So the most important thing is to have a conversation with the child and remember that they remain the expert on their own lives. How did this start? Who is involved? What have you tried? Not go and do this. What have you tried? 
What have other people tried? What would you like us to help you with? So that they, they get a level. Because remember, to be bullied is to have your power removed. Mm-hmm. So we mustn't step in as another kind of bully and say, this is what we must do. Because we don't understand the context. So seek first to understand. Because the intervention will be a nuanced one based on the temperament of the child, the nature of the school, the resource. Like if there's a school psychologist, get them to go talk to the school psychologist to assist. If there's a, a, a bullying freeze and get them to go there and make the anonymous report if there's like a guardian app or whatever. But in many schools, none of that exists. None of that. These schools have wonderful bullying policies, but you actually wonder if many of them have read them. And whether they are practically implementable or they're what we call CYA policies. You know, if someone asks you what you've got and what you do, you have something. What is CYA? Cover your ass. So, <laughs> so that's but, a great acronym. <laughs> so lots of people have those policies. You ask them, yeah, and I've got something, but there's no implementation of it. So, mm. so the thing is, is seek to understand your child. Allow mm. them to sit in the uncertainty, in the discomfort, in the pain, and sit in it with them, which is really hard for parents because mm. they just want to fix. So that we can teach them to think, to learn, and to be able to act in the world. And when they need help, we need to help them. But it needs to be done with them. Yeah, rather than with, to them mm, because so important. is happening to them and it must mm-hmm. not be done for them either entirely we might have to do things for them but it needs to be done in conjunction with with because otherwise we they do not learn the set of skills necessary to manage that throughout their life course as you mentioned at the beginning absolutely luke thank you so much such insights and uh, so many lessons to learn listen to your children and what is their behavior telling you thank you Our next podcast is on World Kindness Day, which is Friday the 13th, which is quite an interesting day to have World Kindness Day. It's a Friday the 13th, but so be it. And that's in November. And we're in conversation with the legendary educator, Alison Scott. So please do subscribe to us so that you don't miss any of these groundbreaking conversations.